Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. If we haven't gotten a chance to meet, my name is Luke Crabb. I get to serve here on staff. If you have a Bible, open it to Philippians chapter three. That's where we're gonna be tonight. Uh, You're joining us for the first time. We've been in this series called Decision Decade. This is gonna be the last week of that series. Uh, In this series, Decision Decade, just to simplify it for you, we've just been asking simple questions to set you up for better decisions in this thing we call our Decision Decade. Uh, While you're turning to Philippians chapter three, I wanna start off by sharing a story Um, If we haven't met, uh, I played college baseball. Um, That was kind of a big part of my past. Uh, Whenever I was 21 years old, I uh, played a game up in Madison, Wisconsin. I had a great game. It was like one of the best games I ever played. And uh, the team, they wanted to go out and celebrate. Uh, At this point in my life, I was not following Jesus at all. Um, So they wanted to go out to the bars. I was like, yeah, let's go. So uh, we go get an Uber. Um, I look around in the car and... Uh, one of my buddies, his name's Carlos. Carlos is like, hey, who can get me into the bar? And I'm like, Carlos is a freshman. He's like 19. And he's like, does anybody have a fake or anything? And I'm like, hey, I'm like confident because I just had a great game. I'm like weirdly confident. I'm like, bro, I got you. Don't even worry about it. So we walk in. I'm like, hey, what I'm gonna do, I- I've been to this bar before. I'll slip you the ID through the crack of the patio um, in the gate. So I walk in, I get in easy. I-, I go over to the patio. I give him the the ID through the crack, a few minutes go by, and uh, he calls me, he's like, dude, it didn't work. I'm like, what? What do you mean it didn't work? Like, it always works. Like, if, if you really knew that this is kind of ridiculous, think about this guy's name. His name is Carlos. If you can't tell from there, I'm like white, white. Like, I'm white with like three H's. Like, I'm real white. Uh, Carlos isn't. Uh, Carlos, when he called back home, he, they weren't speaking English. Like, he... He was five foot six, I'm not five foot six, I'm like six foot two, closer to six foot three. It, it, silly, silly plan. See, the problem was the ID didn't properly define who Carlos, Carlos was. And I share that with you, and I start there tonight because I think some of us in the room were more like Carlos than we realize. Like we're trying to be someone that we're not. And, and what I mean by this is, is we have a fake ID on us right now. Like tonight you've come in here and you've cleaned up your act and, and you have your, your church ID on you. But if I was to follow you tomorrow morning or it, and what we do, we try to put on this facade and, and you would have your work ID, you'd be the grinder, you'd be the entrepreneur. Uh, but if I followed you this weekend, you would be the fun guy. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that we're more like Carlos than we realize and some of us, we're running towards a career. Maybe it's just our desires. Maybe we're running from something. We're running from our past. And these things, they're robbing you of who you're meant to be. So what defines you? Some of us come in here, uh, and maybe we're having like an identity crisis. Uh, there's this guy, his name's Eric Erickson. If, if you studied psychology, you know who this guy is. Um, he coined the term identity crisis, Um, And as they've studied this guy's life, what they've found is that um, he was having an identity crisis because in his 20s, he was not gaining identity capital. Identity capital is where you figure out 
where you can actually find your identity. So tonight, I wanna help you build some identity capital in your 20s. And I think it's important that um, I lead off by saying this, that the Bible may contradict some things that uh, your life is going towards or, or maybe my life is going towards. And maybe we just need to ask ourselves this question, like, are we really on a quest for truth or are we on a confirmation quest? Because if we're on a confirmation quest, we're just gonna find the thing that's gonna get us to bed and that's it. Like we can sleep easy, we're good, but there's still gonna be something gnawing at our soul. Tonight, this is the question I wanna answer. What defines you? So ask yourself this, when people talk about you, how do they define you? What are the things they would say, this marks him or it marks her? And before we leave, I wanna point you to what truly defines you. Philippians chapter three is where we'll be. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, that's towards the end of the Bible. Uh, the guy writing this letter, his name's Paul. Paul is a guy who his identity was completely changed uh, because of a man that he met uh, while he was going to do some things in another city that were very bad. He's writing to this church in this city called Philippi, and he's actually chained to a Roman guard, which is crazy. First off, that's crazy. He's chained to someone. But the thing that marks this letter more than anything else is actually joy, which doesn't make sense unless what he's writing about is true. So Philippians chapter three, verse four, this is what it says. It says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. What Paul's saying here is, hey, you think you can be confident in yourself, I have reason to be more confident than you. And he's about to list why he, why he can say that. He says, circumcised on the eighth day, don't lose me. What, he, what he's about to list off are things, if you're a Jew, these are a really big deal. Like he's, he's listing off his religious accomplishments right now. He goes on, he says, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and this is the important, as to the law, a Pharisee. That's important because he would be looking at us tonight, he'd be like, you think you got it going on? I was a Pharisee. You, you think you know the Bible? Paul had it memorized. The whole thing. He goes on, he says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's saying, I didn't just know it, I followed it. I was blameless. Goes on, he says, but whatever gain I had, so there's a change here. He just listed stuff. Now he's changing. He says, but whatever gain I had, he's talking about those accomplishments, I counted them as loss for the sake of Christ. He said, all that doesn't even matter. He finishes, he says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Fake ID number one is accomplishments. It's accomplishments because Paul, he's saying his past accomplishments, they don't define him. They don't define him. Like if we lean on our past accomplishments, they won't hold you up. And really, if you lean on your past accomplishments, you're gonna be that like kind of weird 50-year-old uncle, like Uncle Rico, like that will be you. Like if you're leaning on your accomplishments, talking about your glory days, and you know that guy. 
Like you know that guy that's talking about his high school, his college days. Nobody wants to be Uncle Rico. Paul, he's saying that everything he's given his life to up to this point, all of his accomplishments, this is what he'd say. They're crap. And I say that word intentionally because that's the word that Paul uses. That word rubbish in the Greek, it's the word scubula. And it means crap. He's talking about animal feces. He's saying everything else that I've given my life to in comparison to Christ, rubbish. It's nothing. So we have to ask ourselves this question. What defines you? And this is the reality. We never stop giving our life to trophies. They just get harder to get and they're a little bit more expensive. I mean, let me prove it to you. And this is kind of silly, but did anybody do pageants? Anybody grow up doing pageants? Somebody almost raised their hand. I guess we got an ugly crowd in here tonight. No pageants. <laughs> if we did, you wouldn't be wearing your tiara. Where are my dogs at? Where are these athletes from high school? Hey, barking, all right. <laughs> athlete, athlete. But hey, you didn't wear your letterman jacket, right? That would have been silly, but, but at the time you needed that patch, right? It was all about all conference. But you didn't wear your letterman jacket. And we laugh at that, right? But we never stopped chasing trophies. Now it's just the pay raise. Now it's the followers on IG. It's the car. It's that girl. Maybe it's a guy. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, this is what Paul says. He's, he's, he's expounding in another letter on something that he's already said. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus, he came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the worst. Paul, he's saying he's the worst. The guy's writing part of the Bible right here. And he's saying he's the worst. This isn't a one-off thing for Paul. Remember, this is Paul. He memorized the entire Bible up to this point. He, is, he would be considered top of his class, number one. If, if he was running in certain circles, he would be in his circle like Jeff Bezos. Like he is the guy. And he's saying he's the worst. So what defines you? The other day, uh, I was driving downtown, and I knew this, um, that I had expired tags, and I was with one of my buddies, and uh, he kind of like knows how this stuff works. They don't train us well for this growing up, but so, I, like, we lost our titles, why I couldn't renew the tags, which is a crazy process. I got it now, so don't be judging me. Well, I, a cop pulls up behind me, sure enough, and I'm turning left, and I like, I get nervous, so I just go. Uh, it turns green immediately, I go. He's like, this guy's up to something. He runs my tags, pulls me over. He's like, you know why I'm pulling you over? I'm like, my tags. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and he's like, uh, and he's like, license and registration. And uh, I show him my insurance. He, he comes back, he's like, hey man, your insurance is expired. I'm like, I look at my buddy, I'm like, am I gonna go to jail? <laughs> we had insurance, just to clarify. I just didn't have the updated one. Um, but I share that because my fear is that we may show up to heaven and we'll lay our accomplishments before Jesus and he'll say they're expired. They don't work here. So what defines you? 
See, in this life, we can give our life to a lot of things. And man, you can run hard after that job. And you can make it in that job. But you may find out somewhere along the way, it's rubbish. It means nothing compared to Christ. Like you can go all in on that business, you, you can give your everything to it, but, but I care enough to tell you tonight that you can give everything to something and it's only gonna give you money back. It's rubbish. Compared to Christ, it's rubbish. And, and I just, I want you guys to hear this. Don't spend your life chasing trinkets, toys, and achievements, telling yourself this is for your future family. Your family doesn't need more stuff. They need a man or a woman of God who made a decision in their 20s and 30s to say, I'm going all in with Christ. They don't need trinkets. They need you to lead. 1 Timothy 6, verse nine says this, but those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. My fear, what he's saying here is that we may look at our accomplishments, justify them, and tell ourselves that it defines us and it doesn't. This fake ID of accomplishments, it, it's not overnight. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden I'm defined by this thing. It's just inch by inch, decision by decision, and it happens. And the next thing you know, you're finding your identity in your accomplishments. So what do we do about it? If, you, if you've been coming here, Kylie said it during the MC spot. Hey man, we believe in community. You need men and women of God that love you enough to tell you, hey man, you are drifting. Like I've seen you do this before. Two months ago, you said one of the things that I, I, I know is gonna be a hiccup for me is a car. Like I want a car, but two months later, you're like justifying it. And you can surround yourself by people that just like, they like cheer that on. They're like, nah man, it makes sense. I think you should do it. But then you wanna find that guy or that girl that says, they pull you to the side and they're like, hey man, I don't think that's what's best for you right now. You wanna find that person and make them your community. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Like we believe in community here so much, we're trying to make it as easy and effective as possible. We want you to go to Group Connect. We believe in this thing. It's March 21st. If you don't have community, write that down. March 21st, sign up online. Go to the Next Steps desk. Come talk to me. Come talk to anyone who's wearing a lanyard. If you need community, we want you to have it. And it's, this heart is inside all of us. It, it's gonna drift. Our heart will drift unless you have people to tell you you're drifting and you'll try to latch on to accomplishments and tell yourself they define you and they will disappoint you and they'll be like expired tags. Paul, he goes on, he gives us another fake ID that we're gonna, we're gonna be prone to show up and use. Philippians 3, verse 18, that's what it says. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears. So Paul, he's saying, hey, we used to be around this one group of people but they've turned and they've drifted towards this other way to find their identity. So he's upset, like he is thinking about these people. He has tears in his eyes. He's seen this before. He says they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
Their end is destruction. Their God's their belly. Their glory and their shame with minds set on earthly things. Fake ID number two is desires. It's desires because Paul, he's, he's talking about people who found their identity in their desires. He says their God is their belly. And what he's saying here is that they feed their appetite whatever it wants. Like whatever they want in that moment, they just go and they get it. That's what he's saying. Hey, if they want that thing, they just go get it. Whatever it is, if it's a pleasure, if it's a purchase, whatever that thing is, that is their identity. It's what defines them more than anything else. So, so whenever you see this word belly, just think desires. And, and this is how I would define desires. It's something you don't have in the moment, but you want. It's something that you don't have in the moment, but you want it. And, and, it, and these are the people, or, or maybe this, is, this has been me at times, like I didn't wanna get a quiet time this morning, or I didn't wanna spend time with God this morning because I didn't feel like it. And there's times where if you were to really ask me, I think maybe my God was my belly. And my God was my identity. My identity was in my desires. But it's not there. This past fall, my wife and I, we went on a vacation to California. Uh, California is just different. The culture is really different out there. Uh, while we were out there, we just noticed like there's nowhere that's like bad for you to eat. Like there isn't a Burger King anywhere. There's like no Wendy's. I'm like, this is crazy. Where are we supposed to eat? Uh, so we're just driving and uh, I'm like pull into there we, we couldn't stop finding vegan restaurants so I'm like I kind of feel healthy we're weird I guess we went vegan on the vacation <laughs> just a weird vacation but we come back home we're like hey we can keep trying to be vegan, vegan. Uh, like five weeks into this thing five weeks into this thing I'm trying to be vegan if you don't know what that is that's no meat and no dairy that's like nothing. It's just lettuce. I'm just eating lettuce for like five weeks. Crazy. Uh, I go to B-dubs one night. This is ridiculous. I go to B-dubs one night and I order cauliflower wings. They have it for real. Cauliflower wings. Um, I finish the wings starving, still starving. Uh, and then I'm looking across the table. I'm like, that ranch dressing looks fire. <laughs> In the back of my head, I knew there was dairy in the ranch, but I didn't want to, I was like, you gonna eat that? <laughs> I just start eating, this is disgusting, I start eating ranch <laughs> by itself, not even dipping it, I'm just, <laughs> Chad's looking at me like, what are you doing over there, bro? <laughs> Ridiculous. I'm not vegan anymore. In that season, though, <laughs> in that season, it's crazy, and you've been there. You've been on these diets before where every decision you're making in your life is around, like, where can I eat, and what am I gonna plan? Like, how am I gonna do this? Like, being vegan really drove every decision I made. And I share that because some of us, we may be feeding a desire that's not healthy, and it's driving every decision we make. And... and Reading this passage has made me just like think a little bit. I'm like, man, there are people who don't know Christ. They have no relationship with God and they are more disciplined in what they're doing than the church. Like we have fitness people spending four hours every day working on their biceps 
Who's the last person you knew spending four hours like in the Word? And, and that's, a, that's a shame. And the reason why we may be bored with our faith is because we're just feeding our desires. And maybe that desire that you have, God put it in you to make you disciplined. So what defines you? Is it a desire for, for maybe pleasure? Is it a desire for attention? And, and maybe that's the reason why you post certain things on social media and you're scared that if you don't post that thing, you won't get the likes. If you don't get the likes, you won't feel fulfilled. If you stop dressing a certain way, you'll stop getting that attention. So what defines you? Maybe it's a desire to please people. Think about the last few decisions you've made in your life. Was that the best decision for you and your relationship with God, or was it to please someone? And I know the reality is that a lot of us, we have a desire for sex that is controlling our life. That it's controlling your life to the point that it, it decides where you go this weekend. It, it decides sometimes even like instead of going to hang out with your friends, you'll stay home so you can watch pornography and instead of having sex with someone else, you have sex with yourself. What defines you? Because your desire is defining you. It's dangerous. We have to ask ourselves, do we really wanna know what's true or do we wanna know what makes us feel good? Because what we, if we desire it, that doesn't mean it's right. Like just because inside of me I want to do something, just because I want the ranch dressing, doesn't make it right. And just because we want that thing, it doesn't make it right. And we justify disobedience because it feels right. Proverbs 14, 12, this is what it says. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends, but its end is the way to death. That's just, I don't need to commentate. Like it, it literally says, if you were to follow the way that seems right and easy, your desires, if you follow that, its way is death. Matthew 7, this is what Jesus says. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus is saying to follow him, it is not easy. You're going to have to deny your desires. So what defines you? Is it your desires? Last week, um, my wife, she's a photographer, so sometimes I'll just get one of these calls like, hey, meet me here, we're doing a photo shoot. I'm like, yes ma'am, driving. Uh, so that was last week, and it was the Antarctica day, you know, when it was like negative 20 something. So I'm like, yes ma'am, I'll see you there. Uh, she's awesome, she, she wouldn't like make me do it anyway. But yeah, so I'm driving there, and uh, she had the whole plan, we got out of the car, here's the picture. Uh, we took our daughter, I mean our dog, same thing. Just kidding. We're, we're one of those funny people. We love that dog. Leave that picture up. I wanna point out a few things about it. Number one, it is cold. It's really, really cold out there. Like we got out there, we took that picture really quick. Number two, our dog, you can see her right there. She ready to run. <laughs> what she doesn't know, her desire to run wouldn't end well. It's negative like 20. 
right? The last thing I want to point out about this picture, look where I'm holding her. I'm telling the dog, stay, (laughs) stay, because it's cold. But also, I'm holding her because I care about her, right? I know what's best for her. Even though her desire is to run, I'm saying, stay. Like, I know what's best for her. Why would I share that? Because the Bible tells us that God, he's good. And he's put parameters in your life, not to hold you back from something, but to protect you. And your desires, if, if God just said, rip it, do whatever, it wouldn't end well. He protects you because he cares about you. So here's the question I have to ask myself. I'd encourage you to ask the same thing. What desire will I try to, fend, try to defend? What desire will I try to defend? Like when somebody asks you about that thing, you got the answer quick. Like, this is why I'm doing it. What is that thing? Paul, he's asking hard questions tonight and and they may contradict the journey that we're on, but we have to ask ourselves hard questions in this decade if you don't. You're gonna be the 30, 40, 50 year old wishing that you would have taken these decisions serious because we need to know who we are. Paul, he goes on. This is the last ID that he gives. This is Philippians 3, verse 13 That's what it says. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. So at this point, Paul, he's been doing this following Jesus thing long enough that he's got a name for himself. Like he's starting to become a household name. He planted this church, so they kind of like look up to him. And he's saying, I made it on my own. I do not consider that I've made it on my own. He's saying, I haven't done it on my own. Then he says this, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So he's saying, I'm forgetting what lies behind me, and I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. It says, I press on towards the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Fake ID number three is your past. And let me explain how crazy this is what Paul's saying. Paul, if you don't know this about him, his past, he was a murderer. He held the jackets of men while they threw stones at someone and killed them because they're a Christian. And he's saying, I don't look back. I'm moving forward. This is the same guy on his way to go kill more Christians. God intersects him and his life's changed. His identity completely changed. And he's saying, hey, I don't look back. I look forward. Why am I saying this? Because some of you, you think you're identified by your past, and that's a lie. That is a lie. Paul, he killed Christian guys. And and if you don't understand this, you've misunderstood what the whole thing is about. Why you're here tonight. The reason this building's here isn't so you come in here and just clean up your act. Jesus, he takes dead people and he makes them new people. He doesn't, he isn't asking for you to clean it up. He's trying to make you new. And I get fired up about this because you're looking back. You look forward. 
Paul, he's saying that he presses on. This past summer, I ran uh, in a half marathon race, and uh, it was the first one I ever did. Um, I was really excited. I looked online. I was like, I was like, I might be able to win this thing. Like, I'm looking at the competition. I'm like, I got these dudes easy. Uh, sign up for it. Register online. Pay the fee. Those are kind of expensive, by the way. Pay the fee and um, run the race. And I won the race. Here's the catch. It was virtual. I was the only one in the race. <laughs> uh, and I share that because uh, it's a picture of the gospel. A lot of us, like we think that following Jesus is some weird competition between the people in this room. Like we think because of your past, you could never be as good as that person to your right or your left or these other people. See, to follow Jesus, you just register for the race and you start running. You don't need to clean anything up. You don't need to clean up your act. And you need to hear this, you're not bad enough to miss heaven and you're not good enough to make it on your own. You could never do enough. You cannot clean yourself up enough to get into heaven. You're not bad enough to miss it, but you're not good enough to get there on your own. That's why Ephesians 2.8, it says you're saved by grace through faith. By grace, through faith. It goes on to say, your works, they don't matter. You, you can't do it alone. What defines you? It's not your past. It's not the prom night. It's not that decision you made. It's not the abandonment. It's not that father wound. Whatever that thing is from your past, it doesn't define you. Let me just get, let me get real while my timer's running out. If you don't think this guy right here struggles with these IDs, these fake IDs, you're wrong. This is the tension we live in as Christians, that we've never arrived. If you don't think I'm judging my identity off of my performance right now, you're wrong. That, that's the fake ID of accomplishments. I, Jesus died for me either way. Look, if I come up here and I blow this whole thing, I can't get a word out. Still died for me. And he still died for you. What about my past? You want to talk about the chief of sinners? You're looking at him. Been reading the Bible for five years. You don't think the enemy wants to use that against me? Come on. What defines you? Because what defines you will determine where you go forever. What defines you? Because this man named Jesus, he lived a life that was so distinct, so different. He reset the calendar. Jesus, you need to hear this, he loves you. Whatever you've brought in here, whatever you've done in your past, wherever you're finding your identity, he loves you. I know that he loves you because history tells us that he came down from heaven. History tells us the Bible tells us he reset the calendar. He lived a life that was so unique that people who identified with him, it wasn't that they cleaned up their act. He made them new. It wasn't, it wasn't this like Houdini thing. It was like, I can't really explain what they're doing over there. We're just gonna call that the way. They literally 
didn't know what else to call it. They said, it's the way. Their life is so changed. I can't, I can't even describe it. That's what Jesus does. Second Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How can Jesus do this? How can a man who lived 2,000 years ago be relevant to you right now in that chair? He created you, he owned you, and he bought you. How does he give you his ident- your identity? He does these three things. He created you, he bought you, and he owned you. Number one, he created you. He wasn't just a man. He was God, fully God, fully man, comes down. He created. The Bible tells us that he was with God in the beginning. He created you. He knew every hair on your head. How can he give you identity? It's because he created you. The second one, he, he owns you. How do we know he owns you? What does it mean to own something? Well, you write your name on, name on something whenever you're owning something. Like if I buy something, I write my name on it. I get a title, I write my name on it. I own it. How do we know that Jesus did that? He made man in his image. How can he give you identity? He wrote his name on you. And lastly, he bought you. How do I know he bought you? That's why he went to the cross. He went to the cross because someone had to pay for our sin. And when he went to the cross, he paid the price. He looked at all of your past sin, all of your future sin, and he said, I'll pay for it. He didn't hesitate. He said, I'll pay for it. He created you, he owned you, and he bought you. How can he redefine you? He's the only one that will ever give you identity. That's why he went to the cross. His payment was his own life. He looked at all your past sin, he determined what it cost, and he paid for it. And until you surrender yourself to him, this is, this is what you're gonna do. You will try to grab at every little thing and find identity and it won't flip the bill. Jesus is the only one that can cover that because he created you, he owns you, and he bought you. I think there's a few ways you can respond to this message. Some of you, you just need to go to your community and you need to ask this question. Which of these identities am I blind to? Like which of these identities in my life am I blind to? Because these fake IDs, like I said, they're adrift. It, it will happen, guys. You will drift. You'll give your life to rubbish. Some of you guys, like, you're in a relationship right now and you need to have a hard conversation tonight because that person will bring you along. You need to have that conversation tonight. And if you don't know Christ, you need to make that decision tonight. Why do you need to make that decision tonight? One thing that I've heard before is that a decision deferred is a decision made. We're in a series called Decision Decade. If you're saying, hey, I will get to this Jesus thing later, you're making a decision with Jesus tonight. You have to do something with this man named Jesus. He died on a cross, he rose three days later. Check the history books, it happened. You have to do something with him. The things that he says in the Bible, they are very clear. You can call him a liar, you can call him a lunatic, or you can call him the Lord of your life. Some of you need to make a decision with Jesus tonight. I pray that you would.
So paradigm, what defines you? Let me pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you give us our identity. Thank you for your word. I pray that you be with these men and women in the room right now that need to make a decision, whether it be opening up to community, whether it be coming to know you for the first time. I pray, God, that you would give them the boldness to do what needs to be done. In Christ's name I pray, amen.